Hello, and welcome to the CEO Blind Spot Show, where leaders lead leaders. I'm your host, Birgit Camps, and today's guest is Jeremy Kent, who is the CEO of The Loud House, a company that enables major sports organizations and their sponsors to boost revenues, increase fan engagement, and grow their sports. Welcome to the show, Jeremy. Hi, Birgit. Thank you very much for having me today. Yes, well, I'm excited to have someone with your background be on our show. I see that you've had a lot of success in gaining clients like the Olympic Federations and even getting sponsorships for Formula One and World Rally Championship teams. But then I also saw that you've worked successfully with sports rights owners in Europe and USA, advertising agencies in New York and London and Sydney. But then I even saw a quote from someone that your company has served in medical pharma industry. So you've been in various different industries and you've succeeded in, in so many areas. So of course, I wondered if your background of playing rugby and golf somehow are related to your success, but why don't you tell me, what do you attribute to your leadership success? I think really rugby would, yes, you're quite right. Rugby would be a big contributor and it's very much a team sport, but it has 15 specialists on the field. Mm. And I remember somebody saying to me, and I didn't see it until I was coaching my kids at the, the game, about how you put the team together mm. so that you look at combinations rather than have the best number eight, the best scrum half, and the best fly half. You look at the best three that are actually going to work together. So they may be the second best in terms of players as individuals, but the team itself the coordination, their ball distribution, the way that they bring the other players up and through is, is the most important thing. And I guess I tried to apply that when I was hiring people too. Are they going to fit in the team? Are they going to contribute? Are they positive? And how will they interact with the people that are around them most often? So you could say it limits us slightly in that we've not gone for people all over the place to, to tick a few boxes on diversity, but we have gone for people regardless of sex and color that fit in that team and that vision, that positivity of where we want to go. And that's the most important thing for us when hiring. Wow. Well, I think you make a very important point there to not just focus on the individual you're hiring, but to focus on how they fit in the team. So rugby taught you that. And then later on, did you use any tools to evaluate if they were a fit or not? Or did you just learn over time who would be a fit? I think there's a lot of learning over time. And I have to confess that I like to believe everybody at an interview. So I, I go hmm. in there with a couple of people who are a bit more skeptical than me. Yeah. And I really do their fact checking and digging. So again, it becomes a team effort on the hiring. So yeah, playing again to, to the strengths of the team. Just saying to the, to the other people, here, look, listen in on this conversation, see where it's going. What's your take on it? Are they going to fit with who we've got? Uh, rather than just coming out feeling, yep, another great positive meeting, just uh, just bringing in that extra bit of wisdom from uh, another couple of people. Well, and I love what you slipped in there. And, and perhaps that used to be a blind spot of yours, but I, I love how you also said, yeah, I also depend on my team to help me hire the right people for our team because I tend to believe everybody at first first sight, so to speak. I'm keen to believe what they're saying. I'm keen to get on with it, do it with them. And sometimes that enthusiasm needs a bit of checking as well. So then, of course, that, that leads me to the question, did you ever struggle as a leader? Yeah, there have been times. And I think one of the other lessons that picked up oddly enough from my father running businesses when I was uh, younger was trying to see people outside of work because we all see the person who checks in nine to five, five days a week 
but we forget outside of their role as accountant or as marketer or whatever, they're a father, a mother, they've got their own issues, they may be great at photography, they might have an interest in wine. And, and there's an awful lot of those skills that people have outside and, and, and what they do outside that they can bring inside if you can just see it. So, you know, they do, they do have a view as a, a photographer on, on how the images are going on the website or how we're going on a presentation. And, and perhaps their job title doesn't provide them with that authority, but just knowing them a little bit better does. Mm. So sounds to me like you were surrounded by good mentors, your father. And then did you have a good coach when you were in rugby or how much of mentorship do you think played as part of your success? Uh, well, yes, well, I Rugby, I started when I was five years old and I finished <laughs> at 42. So pretty much seen it in and out by then. Yeah. And yeah, there are various coaches, good ones, bad ones, other players that you, you you work with. But then I think there's also, as as you go through life, you pick a few things up. So if I can give you a one negative example, I remember sitting, listening to a counterpart of mine when we were both divisional directors at the same agency. And she said at the top of her voice, she's got a CV in for a, a position uh, just below her why would I employ anybody with this name? Her team giggled and so on. And I was sitting there thinking, well, why wouldn't you? Why would you have a problem with somebody that you perceive to come from a better social background? Surely what you should be doing is is recruiting somebody that can do your job in time because you need that succession plan so that you can move on to the next level above you. You need mm. to know that your job will be filled. And And employing somebody who's really talented shouldn't be a threat to you. It should be a bonus so that you can move upwards, move onwards. And certainly when you get to board level, it should, well, it is, it's a legal duty that you've got a succession plan in place for the insurance too. But I think that's often missed as you come up through the middle ranks and, and something that people should look at. Can this person do my job? Could they be trained to it? Great. Do the best you can to train them to do that so you can move up. Well, then... Uh... It sounds like hiring according to someone who fits the team and according to what you said earlier, what your vision is, would also help with that succession plan. Do you continue to do that today, making sure you have a successor? Yes, absolutely. And as you, you alluded to at the start, I, I do have a, a few interests at the moment. By building up the team that they can take on what I'm doing now, it enables me to go on to the next project, which is what I love. I, I love new things. So yes, very much have that have that in mind all the way through and indeed the built-in redundancy as we look at the the senior team who's coming up behind them what would happen if our cfo got hit by a bus tomorrow okay. mm. what's the continuation and there is a responsibility there to do it so yeah we try and look for a, a common goal and a common ethos and for us obviously it's very much around sport and and delivering a better experience for the rights holder the fan the sponsor but also when we're we're in Proving those revenue streams, we like to see that that money's going back into the sport itself at a grassroots level to bring the kids up, to grow the sport, to improve it. And if you like, that's our, our, our value add. That's what we want to see the, the clients doing. So when we team with a client, we look for, for a similar philosophy there as well. Yeah. Wow. Well, to me, you sound like a fantastic leader. So I believe it all. I've made plenty of mistakes. Well, so well, tell me about earlier when you were referring to you knew about yourself that you tend to like to believe everyone in the first interview. Was there an aha moment where you realized I need to have someone else be involved in the interview process because I may not be so gifted at selecting the right people? Or Yeah, I, that was early on when you, you hit the account manager level. Because working in ad agencies, it was always very, what are we going to do next? What's the next bit of creativity? It's very easy 
to to believe people at face value and not dig any deeper. And, and I realized that I do do that. I do that with, with clients. I do that with people in the pub. I do it everywhere. So rather than discover that I'd made a mistake three, six months down the line where we'd had a large recruitment fee and a disrupted team, uh, it was much easier to, to get people in that are talented in that space. And then I view them either before or after they've they've had a look too. And Jeremy, was there an aha moment where you discovered that about yourself or what, did that just come over time or did someone else tell you you had that blind spot? I think it came over time, probably about three or four years and a number of hires that went well, a number that didn't go so well. And then sitting bizarrely with my father who'd run agencies and saying it to him and he just said, you're the same as me. You just want to believe everybody. So the penny dropped, but uh, he was bang on right. Well, I can see why you're so successful and why probably a lot of people want to work for you and with you. And I'm sure, you know, next time, next year we talk to you, if not next month, you'll be up to expanding into another business. But in the meantime, if people want to go discover more about you, they can go to theloudhouse.net or see you on LinkedIn. But I do want to touch on one more thing, Jeremy. So, you know, there is a quote that I saw from the CEO in a different industry, even. He's a CEO of Neural Therapeutics, Paul Cable. And he said something very interesting, that you're able to encourage the use of tools that others may not be aware of or have considered. So, you know, I'm curious, is he referring to tools or are you really good at constantly developing yourself with new tools, including now maybe AI tools? Well, it's very, very kind of Paul to say, and, and yes, work with an awful lot of evolving technology. So we try and stay abreast of everything that's happening, in, including in AI. And we've seen with sports TV production, AI being used for the last few years. But more recently, we, we've looked at it, adapted it, worked with an awful lot of technology partners who at the moment aren't ready to go into a major sport. So you couldn't put in a, a brilliant piece of ticketing equipment, for instance, into a major sport and then have it fail. So what we try and do is work with those companies to bring them in through smaller sports where it's more manageable and they can learn their lessons before two to three years time, we, we bring them into a, a bigger sport. So we've always been right across evolving technology, everything to do with the media, ticketing. In Paul's case, what we were doing with uh, an awful lot of evolving media at the time to, to get his product, who are an American business in medical devices, and help them through their crisis communications. Okay. Well, speaking of crisis, how have you made it through crisis? <laughs> well, luckily, I've not had too many of my own. But if, if we take some of the clients where we work with them on crisis PR, uh, getting people to stay focused and on message, particularly when the other side, and usually that was the media, had got half a story and were coming for some very aggressive uh, questioning, we would try and get them to focus on, look, this is, this is what you've really not got to say because it's not right and because it could be taken the wrong way without deviating from the facts. So stay honest. You don't need to rush an apology. Make sure the facts get there first and try and manage what's being said and how it's being said while you get the time to put those facts together, which generally meant putting together teams to do different things. So one team to go out and actually find out what was going to happen, another team to deal with the media at that point, and another team to oversee the two to say, okay, well, what lessons can we learn and what what's going to be coming down the road? If this has gone bad here, could there be something else that's about to hit next Tuesday that leads on from this? So lifting your head up and, and looking forward. So I would say, again, it comes back to managing your teams and, and being very, very grounded into to what's really going on. Quite often, you'll find an awful lot of froth a week or two down the line. It's, it's disappeared and there's just the hard facts remaining. But if you responded to the froth, a lot of damage can be done. So, yeah, yeah stay focused really matters. 
Well, and I can see a positive blind spot of yours, which is you're also a very good communicator and encourage others to communicate well. Try. Although I do have a partner in life who might say I might not communicate as well as I should. <laughs> Probably something that a lot of people can relate to, <laughs> but I appreciate how you communicated with us today. And, you know, Eldad is, is who connected us and I'm so grateful for him. He's also trying to support leaders and in integrating new tools like AI to try to get everybody a competitive edge, so to speak. And I appreciate what you've done today to contribute to other leaders as well. You're very kind. Thank you very much. And uh, I've got a lot of time for Eldad. He's taught me a great deal about future AI applications. So I'm grateful to you both.